Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. Well, we're starting with a giggle and we're starting with Sally asking me what my questions will be. So that's a good start for any podcast guest. Today on The Conversation, we have Sally Mahitam. And I've been practicing her name because it's it's her married name and we were just talking about all the ins and outs and the 12-month process of changing. Um, but we'll get to that in a tick. Sally, welcome. How are you? Hi, Kathy. How are you going? It's lovely to see you. Indeed. This is a different sort of conversation for us to be having. Um, let's just start with where Fun Lab began. Excellent. So um, we are nearly ticking over. So March next year, we'll tick into our fourth year of practice. We're coming to the end of our third year uh, operating. Um, Fun Lab started a few years ago with me as a sole trader, and then we moved to a company status a couple of years after that. So it's not long that we've been um, a company. Uh, we've grown from me working for myself, and now we have a lovely team of uh, four therapists who are employees and a contractor and one full-time admin and then my husband and I as directors. So we have a nice little team uh, who I feel are really supportive and I'm currently on maternity leave, so they're running and ticking things along for me while I'm looking after my new baby. Oh, there'll be some good questions about that as well. And you're all occupational therapists working with children and families and educators. Yes, that's right. So we're all OTs, um, but our practice is co-located with a private speech pathology practice and a private psychology practice as well. We're based mm-hmm. in Doncaster East. So yeah, we, we work fairly problem. closely with, um, with the paediatricians, schools in our local area. So it's lovely to be co-located with other allied health disciplines as yeah. well. Yeah. How did you come up with the name? I'm sure I've told you it, it is just quietly between you and me, one of my favourites. Oh, thanks, Kathy. Um, actually, it was a client of mine who came up with that one and I, I snuffled that one away. Um, I was actually working uh, on a master's project with La Trobe Uni when I was doing my master's there and I had to do an assessment on a little person and he said that Fun Lab is coming and let's do our experiments together. So I was like, hmm, one day that will be an this name and it wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be before I used it. <laughs> so what, what drove you to the crazy of private practice? Crazy indeed. Um, so I was coming up to my 10-year reunion of being an OT and I just wanted to do things a little differently. I'd worked um, in community health, in a private practice, I'd worked in schools, I'd worked in um, a hospital and I just felt like I wanted to do something that was maybe a little bit less red tape. Um, I was finding in the non-government organisation I was working for at the time that uh, there were so many levels of management and really complex policies and procedures that if a client needed it, anything it would take so long for any change to kind of filter down and I wanted to be a bit more responsive than that um so my now husband encouraged me to start half a day week that's where I started as a sole trader um and then it just boomed within a month I was doing a full day within three months I'd 
I um, resigned and had gone full time. So for working for myself, and then it just mm-hmm. has gone from step to step to step after that. Mm. For as long as I've known you, you've had a really solid vision about what you want it to look like and your role in it. Share uh, share what you can about that. Yeah. Um, so I think it was going to be um, something that I thought oh, was actually going to be a retirement plan. It was something that I wanted to do after I thought I had enough experience. Um, and to me, that was in my head going to be closer to 40, 50. Um, I obviously didn't wait that long. Um, so the the long-term vision is a multidisciplinary practice that's got um, all of our disciplines under one roof and maybe some music therapy, some art therapy in that as well, maybe hydrotherapy pool. Um, but definitely, oh, it's the yeah. first I'm hearing about the hydrotherapy pool. Oh, yes, yeah, so everything under one roof. I want to be one stop <laughs> So, um, yeah, I really want something that families can come to um, and not just the child with um, additional needs but the family as a whole can come and um, have a space that's really supportive, all of their needs are met under Mm. one roof. Um, Yeah, just something that that really is responsive to families' needs and is a comfortable family-centred environment, Mm. Um, not just a practice, not not just an office where you come to have your therapy. What I remember from some of our early conversations was your commitment to be managing yourself off the tools and to be team facing very much sooner rather than later. What was driving that? Uh, probably um, our wedding was the the biggest um, clincher that I had to step back um, and that was actually a really nice excuse but I found very quickly that I couldn't learn how to run a business and be client-facing at the same time. Um, my self-care went out the window when I tried to do it all and that just, yeah, didn't work very well for very long as most private practice owners. You mean two full-time jobs was, was more than you could... Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, as an OT, we don't get a huge amount of training in how to run a business. So it was uh, definitely an uphill climb for a long time and still is. Um, But I I decided if the business side was going to actually be a business and not just... yeah, not, not just something that I could walk in and, and offer, offer services mm. to, but without actually knowing the business side, then um, then I, I realised pretty quickly that it wasn't going to work if I didn't didn't step back from tools. So, uh, But I'm still very involved with our team. We do all of our clinical supervision together. Um, we do a peer supervision catch-up. So I still feel like uh, I... It's, it's very important to me that I'm involved with our families. We're running a project at the moment with La Trobe University for parents. Um, yeah, it's client-facing is, is still always going to be my first love and first passion. So, <laughs> What can you remember, and I think it must have been in your second year of business, what can you remember about that um, transition from clinician to business owner? Mm. Um, a lot of uh, me feeling like I wanted to do it all I felt like I wanted to learn how to do it all I didn't do a lot of delegating Um, I felt like it was something that it was me having it all together and looking like I had it all together if I knew how to do everything from the accounting and the bookkeeping through to using a practice management software and, and I've quickly learned that that probably wasn't the smartest idea. So um, mm-hmm. now now we delegate, um, now we've got an excellent um, support team, not just um, 
not just as a therapy team, but, you know, now we have a, an excellent accountant. We have a bookkeeper that I catch up with fairly regularly. Um, I have admin full-time who's taken a lot of that um, invoicing load off of me as well. Um, and so now I actually can focus on the direction of the business, supporting the team, learning how to lead a team, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it sort of happened, it didn't happen overnight, but um, I, I remember your intention, your steel-coated uh, intention to um, really make this business tick, but tick with the right amount of you yes, um, from the get-go. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it was something um, I I want my values of family-centred practice, of um, being really responsive to clients' needs, uh, being a service that um, is respectful of families in, in their space. I'm, I'm a key worker by background and so those um, those values and philosophies are, um, really sit well with me in wanting to support families. So um, it was something that I have always had as a um, kind of as an overarching vision when I've recruited um, to make sure that um, my team are, are similar, have similar practice philosophies. And so that really filters down through our team culture, that filters down through our families, um, through our training, that kind of thing. So. Mm, yeah. You have done brilliantly with recruitment. Um, what do you think the, the reason for that is? Or there be more than one reason? Um, probably trying not to rush it. Um, recruitment has, as I'm sure every private practice owner knows, um, is not a barrel of laughs. Um, it can be really tricky. Um, <laughs> there are no laughs at the moment. No, no. no. And our last round of recruitment, actually, I was signing contracts on the Friday and we were induced over the weekend with our baby. That's right. Um, yeah, look, as a private practice owner, it's always, it's always juggling the two. So, um, we we have a few quirky questions in our interviews. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like to ask uh, people either what they're reading or what their um, kind of what their downtime is. I like to ask mm-hmm. them who their uh, favourite uh, kind of professional crush is, who they're who they're really interested in or, or learning from at the time. Um, and also, I like to ask some questions around how people feel around some of the more OT topics that might be a little controversial in our field and just to see where people fit um, and sit with their thoughts around those kinds of things. Um, And then from there, I like to just make sure there's a personal touch of our interview as well. It's often more of a conversation. Um, I show them around. Uh, Yeah, uh, I often see them a couple of times to have a long conversation on the phone or meet them for a coffee um, and just try and get a vibe about who they are, are they going to fit with our current team, are they going to work within our current culture? And, you know, I think skill set is something that we can teach. We've got really experienced team of OTs, um, but the right person for the for our practice has to be the right kind of personality and the right, um, the right fit um, emotionally and culture-wise as well as, as a great therapist. Do you do any interviewing with your team of the new, the new recruits? I haven't to date. Um, we now have, in in prepping for my maternity leave, we now have a, um, 
a, a kind of team leader. She was with me in my last round of recruitment. Um, so that's been really helpful to have a second set of eyes. Um, I've had uh, a colleague help with previous uh, recruitment before, uh, who's also an OT, but not a paediatric OT. So I found her insight uh, to be quite helpful in recruitment in terms of I could understand the, uh, the therapy side for the paediatrics. Um, and she was able to see other things that I might not have picked up um, in interviews around um, attitude or um, any of the other kind of foundational uh, stuff. And then that was really helpful to come back and compare notes and not just having two paediatric OTs looking at the paediatric stuff, but having um, somebody looking at the other other business stuff as well. Yeah, it's quite a a game changer when you have somebody that you're co-interviewing with um, because whilst you might think you sort of got it and you're seeing this and hearing that, there's just all this other stuff that just doesn't even land on your radar. That's been my experience of it. It's been quite illuminating. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm a I'm a nurturer and I'm a connector and, um, you know, I, I dive right in with the, oh, we've got this in common, and then it becomes more yeah. of a chit-chat. Um, mm. So having somebody there to really bring it back to um drill down further into questions if they didn't understand something um I found really helpful um in my learning how to interview as well you know it hasn't been very long since yeah. I started doing okay. this so having somebody who'd had a little bit more experience and um especially when you feel like there is a really long waiting list and you really need to recruit or you're paying rent and the room's empty and um you know having somebody who could kind of go actually this doesn't quite sit with your values or um you know, I, this person might be a really good candidate because X, Y, and Z. So, always so much to learn about interviewing. I always really, really enjoyed it, and um, sort of believe that Welcome every time. <laughs> oh well, quite happy. I've done some second round interviewing with some of my customers and clients, which has been uh, really, really good fun as well. Um, albeit done virtually, which is interesting and different um, on its own. So. Uh, yeah, yes, careful what you careful what you request. <laughs> sure. So you've recruited really, really, really well. I um I've heard you mention values and culture and how they'll work with the team. How would you describe your team culture at the moment? Uh, so at the moment, as I mentioned, I'm currently on maternity leave. So it's been something that has been at the forefront of my mind to really make sure that um, that that culture remains. Uh, I have an excellent uh, uh, practice manager in place and a team leader um, who I have regular meetings and catch-ups with. And also my husband has been going into the office to help uh, maintain that sense of uh, us as the directors. Mm. We're still, um, we still have a hand in the business even though I'm not in the office at the moment. Um, it's been something that, as I mentioned, I've recruited for. Um, it comes across in our, uh, we have our our goals and our um, our values in our onboarding process. Mm-hmm. Uh, our onboarding process for our team is also a fairly lengthy one to make sure that um, all of those values are really practised. Um, I'm really crushing on Brene Brown at the moment <laughs> in a professional way. Um, take a ticker. Absolutely. So I'm finding her work on values uh, to be so insightful and um, really trying to put in um, the behaviours around how to how to actually have an outcome measure for those values. So yeah. That's something I'm looking at at the moment is um, how can we measure these are our values as a team, what what outcomes are we looking at, what behaviours does that look like, and then 
um, then the team kind of know what's expected of them as well. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd love to hear her speak. Yeah, I'd love to hear um, Brené speak um, sometime. So, uh, Likewise, if you are going, list. I'm there with you. I'll give you a call. I'll give you a call. We can take Babe with us. Sounds oh, love it, love it, love it. So lengthy onboarding process. Um, I'm a huge fan. I sort of rabbit on about, you know, the 100-day process, and that's just the beginning. Absolutely. Um, how do you, um, what, what are the outcomes? You know, how does it really work for you, a really full and invested onboarding program? Mm. Why does it work so well? Um, I think it's been helpful in staff retention, for yeah. one. Um, if I found personally as a worker, if I was just thrown in and I didn't have time to learn systems or processes or get to know the other team members, then I felt quite isolated, especially in a private practice role where it is a fairly autonomous job. Um, so I found by having our new staff go in with existing staff, work on um we have a peer supervision monthly and a team meeting monthly, so we catch up face-to-face at least once a fortnight. Um, and then having that that kind of connection and that cohesiveness has been really helpful for the team as well. So um, by having extra time to go through policies and procedures, extra time to learn, we're using Halaxy as our practice management software or health kit, um, having time to learn those processes i found has helped prevent a lot of the kind of questions or the we I do it this way but you do it that way but that's kind of yeah that so it's good. worked for consistency and quality okay absolutely yeah. yeah so trying to make sure and then obviously every team still um you know that's something that's a continual moving post you know we're all working towards that all of the time but um I find having those those clear foundations in place really helpful for the team hmm. That sounds very, very cool. And something that I haven't really thought about until I'm just listening to you is a question I've never asked, I'm glad I'm asking you, is with a new teammate coming in and having this, let's just call it a 100-day experience, Mm -hmm. I wonder what impact that has on the existing team members. That's an excellent question. Yeah, I've never asked that. I've never thought about it. Hmm. Look, I from the feedback I've had from my current team, it's been a great way to get to know the mm. new therapist and to get to know the way that they work. Um, and also, we, as I said, we've got a fairly experienced team. Our new therapist has come with 15 years' experience, 10 of that's in paediatrics. So um, I found that the team actually were learning a lot from her as well. So it doesn't just go in the way of supporting the new team member. Yeah, um, that's right. We're having that new clinician in those sessions, then there's a whole nother skill set, a whole nother fresh ideas, new eyes, um, looking at the way that we work. And um, as I mentioned before, private practice can be pretty isolating. But if you can have a colleague or a peer pop in, um, I've got some questions about this child, would you mind sitting in? Then I find that that goes a really long way to um, helping support our clients, getting that extra set of fresh mm-hmm. eyes, but also supporting our team and their relationships and, um, and their trust to... Um, to reach out and to kind of say, actually, I don't, I don't know this bit. Can you pop in and give me a hand? That's kind of your area. Um, and we've all got different skill sets and different areas of, you know, our favourite clients or the the diagnoses we love to work with. And um, by having such a diverse team, it really means that we're all learning from one another all of the time, which is great. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if the other part that has been of a great onboarding process is that the team um, understand their role in the onboarding process, that there's no confusion um, and that it might sort of um, contain some of the questions and answers mm-hmm. uh, and that they're not sort of under, under, under fire isn't quite the right word, but... Um, that they're they're not under the pressure to have to be teaching the new recruit everything all at once in week two or whatever, that it's there's a planned, paced program and that there's no panic around who's got to do what and the pressures on them on top of everything else they're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. And our onboarding process starts with um, management. Uh, We've got myself, we've got Trish, my team leader, our admin team takes part of the onboarding process, the other therapists take part of the onboarding process. So, um, you know, it's kind of spread across the team as a way for that new team member to get to know everybody. uh, But also, it doesn't mean that one person's carrying the load of that uh, onboarding process. Mm. Now that you are leading this very, very gorgeous team and engaged team, what are you learning about yourself now as now that you're a leader? That I probably didn't have enough leadership skills going in. (laughs) (laughs) You're developing them very, very quickly and Um, very effectively. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Hence my my love for Brene right now. Um, Yeah, it's definitely having having you as my coach or having having a coach or having some some extra training in the area has been really helpful uh i think being open to receiving feedback and having really honest and open conversations and that being you know one of those philosophies of our team culture um is that it's okay to come with me come to me with anything and kind of that open door policy um with our relationships with between me and the team so um at the moment being on leave we've had to look at uh, a kind of a line of communication so people don't feel they've they've got two or three managers um so that probably was a tricky Thing that I didn't foresee happening going on leave, um, just making sure that the team felt like they knew where the information was coming from and going to. Uh, but before I was on leave, that wasn't really an area of concern because we had a very um, a very open door policy with me. I was, I was in the office and very accessible. So I think that that's really helped my leadership skills because I'm getting a lot of feedback from the team about what's working and what's not working and I feel mm. like we can have really honest conversations. Um, but I think I'm also really hyper aware that I am new to it and so I'm, I'm also seeking out that feedback and I'm, I'm trying new things, whatever I'm learning, I'm, I'm implementing and I'm seeing if it works. So hopefully I'm not test. overwhelming the team too much. <laughs> test a measure, test a measure, test a measure. Absolutely, Yeah. yeah. Now, um, your husband is also increasingly involved in the business and he's, um, he's great on the financials and I know you guys set up zero yourself, yeah. um, which is just crazy. I don't know if I mentioned that, but um, well done, you guys. Where has your steepest learning been in terms of the, the nitty-gritty numbers financial management side of things? Mm. Yes, good point in probably don't recommend setting up zero yourself. Life can be easier. Absolutely. And I think that was kind of what I was alluding to when I said I I wanted to learn everything from the ground up and I felt like I had the hand in everything. Uh, Now I'm much better at delegating. And 
I'm my area of strength is working with the team, the clinical side, the people side. My husband Fads, his area of strength is very much wanting to know the numbers, the ins and outs, the the finances, the um, how everything's going. So he works with our bookkeeper quite closely. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we have a bookkeeper that's okayed everything in zero to make sure we're all doing what we should. <laughs> um, yeah. So he um, he's also really across all of our systems. So his full-time job is in sales and marketing for a company who do audits. So I feel like we're in a really lovely position to help get ready for our NDIS audit. Um, and he, I'm kind of seeing him as, as our consultant to get us ready for our policies and procedures because he knows kind of what we need to be doing for that. Um, so his role is growing very quickly and very um, broadly as he's starting to do more um, more across the team. It's also really nice now that the team know him as um, as a director where before he was just, you know, kind of in the background. But now that he's... Fixing things. Yeah, you know, he was the IT guy on the other end of the phone when the internet wouldn't work or when we couldn't get our emails going through. And um, and again, I've, I've been really happy to, to delegate that to him. Um, and it's been really interesting for our relationship as well because, um, you know, we often have really amazing conversations about the direction of the business and where we want to go and um, having that support at home uh, and somebody who um, who has the same vision for the business as me has been really helpful but doesn't need to have the same skill set. Yeah, complementary, I would say, completely complementary. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Alrighty, so um, you guys have been pretty much documenting, de- developing and documenting systems from the get-go, haven't you? I think so, yeah. Um, we... Yeah, I, I tried to foresee that we would need systems even as a sole mm. trader. So um, uh, policies and procedures are really never done though, are they? So um, no. they're, they're in draft again, uh, but the NDIS is a really lovely opportunity for us to really look at our systems as a whole, our procedures as a whole, what's working, what's not working. Again, getting feedback from our therapists. Does this system work? Does that process work? Um, but it's also really good practice into, how to implement the system. Um, I'm finding a little bit at the moment that uh, especially not being there and having somebody else do some of the leadership is that even though I thought we had a really tidy system and processes that maybe that's not always being actioned in the way that I thought it was. Mm. Um, And so now actually having somebody else looking at that from their perspective, um, going, okay, actually we need a little bit of a tidy up around here or a tidy up around there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always something that we're looking at and trying to, trying to do better at. Um, and we've grown fairly quickly and we've moved from a team of contractors to a team of employees. Um, and so then that changed our processes and our policies and procedures as well. So um, looking at those differences uh, was another, um, yeah, another opportunity for me to have a look at those policies and procedures and, and get different systems in place. So uh, and that's been a bit of a learning curve in the last kind of 12 months as we've moved mm. from contractors to employees. Yeah. I love the idea that policies and procedures are always in draft mode because they kind of are in that um, the sign of a really good grow, um, developing business is that the policies and procedures, you grow out of them because yes. you're doing things quicker or differently or with different technology or different workflows. So 
you know, you need to be coming back to some like three, six, nine months, others 12 months. So they are always sort of, you know, you're always looking at the next lot and reviewing them. And then incidents happen uh, where you sort of think, oh, crumbs, we have no documentation about that at all. Absolutely. Um, And you have to hustle up a a bit of something. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. The NDIS is, um, well, I'll ask you about that in a tick, but sort of certainly the audit um, experience is, for most businesses that I work with and, and, and chat with, it's it's a good thing. It's a lot of work, but it really tightens up the foundations of a business, really tunes the machine. Absolutely. And I, when I first started doing our policies and procedures, I started with this idea of, you know, this kind of an epic book really. Um, mm-hmm. And then very quickly as I started to work on, on that document I realized that it wasn't very user-friendly at all and um, actually we needed quite short sharp policies and procedures that you could just grab and go and it was accessible it was easy to read Um, so that's kind of the focus for our looking overviewing our our policies and procedures at the moment is to make them um, really really accessible and then again have really clear um, behaviors of what's expected so then those policies and procedures can be actioned rather than kind of lofty wording and yeah yeah which is my experience with policies and procedures prior to running a business um and so I guess that was my foundation for writing our first ones um oh it was it was an epic document um <laughs> so <laughs> yeah now we're now we've learned from that and and trying to have have procedures that are um yeah easy to access and usable yeah effective yeah Yeah. and ultimately successful in um producing the desired quality consistency level of behavior um and customer service and all of that good stuff yes yes that's right yeah and having that consistent across the team so our clients know what to expect it doesn't matter which therapist Mm. they choose to see um that level of experience from our from our customers is going to be the same very, very nice. Now, I heard you mention the NDIS word. I didn't, I didn't know that we would be talking about that in this chat, but let's go there for a quick minute. What are your thoughts on the NDIS from a business owner's perspective? It's a G-rated show, just. <laughs> sure. Yes, well, one of the things we do often talk about is wine and that probably falls into this category. Yes. Mm. Um, look, I actually think the NGIS has been a really good thing. I think there's been a lot of teething issues, but yeah. um, there's been so many families that fell through the cracks, that fell under the radar, that were too old for funding, um, that hadn't had funding, you know, kind of since early intervention and now they're in high school who are now finally getting some support. Mm. So. I think for those families, the NDIS is amazing. I don't think the infrastructure was put in place well enough. I think the um, I think the agency probably didn't predict how many people there are living with disabilities. I don't know that they did enough research in the area to know how many people would need to access the scheme and therefore how many services would be needed to support those people. Um, also, I think there's been a lot of inequality in plans. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of work and upskilling on our end and there's been a lot of um, learning at the same time as families on the NDIS. So, yeah, it's been trying to be kind to ourselves while we are learning the new processes, but also um, I think it's a great way for, especially with the audit, for businesses to be accountable. Um, It's government funding, so I think it's great that we have to show that 
you know, we are doing the right thing, especially, you know, under um, the commission to make sure that disability services are actually effective. Squeaky clean, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you've got your sleeves rolled up for the full certification process in 2020? We do, yes. We've ticked our button and we are, that is probably in a couple of months when I'm feeling a little more up to it and a little less sleep deprived. That's going to be my project while I'm still working from home. Yeah. What do you anticipate you'll learn during that process? Uh, Probably a lot. Probably that um, my business isn't as good as I think it, I would like it to be. <laughs> um, you know, I look or, in fact, that you've got some really good stuff in place for starters. Thanks, Kathy. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, look, I think we're doing okay. I did, I did start thinking about it uh, probably 18 months ago when, when we were first talking about third-party verification. Mm. Um, so I did start getting policies and procedures kind of ready then. So I don't feel like we have a huge amount of, oh, my God, what are we going to do work? Um, I feel like we can just chip away at it slowly um, and, and just work through what we've done. And I think that's probably been my biggest lesson while I'm on maternity leave as my baby baby and then looking at my business baby and going, well, actually, I need to, to prioritise. And so looking at these and, and just chipping away, doing one thing at a time, um, making a list, yeah, we, my husband and I took a, a business retreat about 12 months ago and we just spent a week um, at a resort and we just hunkered down and, and just did um, a whole bunch of, of lists and what we needed to do and we, we divided it up and, and got everything sorted. And I think we'll probably do something like that again to get us NDIS ready as well and just mm-hmm. overview the whole thing and, and just start at the top and work down or start at the bottom and work up and and see what what we need. Mm. I think I'll probably also be using the team a little bit more this time around and and getting feedback from them on what's working, what's not working, what's working currently, what's not. And then it's also a really nice time to overview the way we do things and then having the NDIS as our, um, like, we need to be compliant. So, for example, at the moment we email a lot of our clinical notes, but we'll be moving to the portal on Halixi to send out client information. So it's a great opportunity to really look at our business procedures and really tighten everything up, I think. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, um, totally, totally um, with you on that answer. It's it's acknowledging what you've got in place, but looking at what what's going to be the best stuff to bring in next to kind of measure up, if you like, to what is described as compliant and best practice. I'm doing air quotes, which I often do on the podcast and is totally unhelpful. Um, <laughs> But it gives you something to aim for. Um, and then I guess there's the maintenance as well, that you've got to keep the business at that level until you're measured off, you know, in a year's time or whatever it's Absolutely. And, and I actually really like that part of the audit because yeah. otherwise I feel like I would be like, okay, job done. Um, uh, but by having, having those measurable outcomes gives us uh, that opportunity to really have those those things filtered down. So already we have our goals on our session notes. We already have um, a lot of uh, templates for recording and documenting Mm -hmm. um, across the board in the business what's being done. Um, And so already I've been looking at the the NGIS commission portal about what we need to do and kind of going, actually, we're already doing a lot of that. So um, I don't think it will be a big job, but I don't think it will be as, as daunting as I initially thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah, and you've got a bit of inside 
um, intelligence um, with FAS as well because um, as I hear it from people I um, kind of hang with, that as much as anything, it's understanding the audit concepts and yes. audit language. And then one, when that's explained, they sort of business owners think, oh, do you mean such and such? And yes, oh, yeah, yeah, we've got that. Why didn't you say so? It's just yeah, wrapped in a different language half the time. Yes, absolutely. And as therapists, we're not used to the business. That side. language. Yeah. 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 That language. Absolutely. Yeah. All righty. So back to the business management stuff. Um, what sort of things did you get in place uh, to baby proof the business? Fair to well, say you were busy. <laughs> yes, that's right. Absolutely. Well, um, I started uh, wedding proofing, so that was... Oh, that's true, yes. Yeah. Uh, so we started looking at what was going to need to be done for me to take leave over the wedding. Um, so that's when we took on an admin person and that just changed my life, having... Oh, she was part-time at the time and... She's a bit um, of a legend. We can't really uh, name her, but we should. Absolutely. Yes, I don't know what I would do without her. Um, so I think having... Actually looking at what was on my plate and then going, okay, what needs to stay with me? and what can I outsource Um, and so then the next step from that was making our admin full-time and then having a team leader come on who would help support the clinical and the team while I wasn't there so um, so her role has really been to um, help bridge that policies and procedures Mm. to help with the clinical um, and then to feed back to me what what's been going on and what needs doing and what needs changing. Um, And then also she's been helping me get um, those templates written or updating the service agreements or things like that. So as you mentioned, being really responsive to if something's happened and we don't have a form for it yet or something like that, then we can make that happen quite quickly. So she's in place for that. Um, I guess I did as much as possible while I was pregnant um, and making sure that uh, everything I could foresee needed doing was done Um, so again making sure our team was really well trained making sure those processes and policies were really clear um, and where to find that information when I wasn't there Mm. Um, and then we also did a graded transition so I started working from home six weeks before I was due in order to have our team leader kind of step in and then there was um, about two months before that where we both were doing handovers and meetings together with the team and that kind of thing as well. So um, really supporting the team to move from me to our team leader and then, um, again, transitioning me out one more step, so really great a transition for that. And I found that to be really helpful. Um, I think also having the flexibility of, Yes, I'm on leave, but I'm still available as needed. Um, having having Faz, my husband, go in to help support things has also meant that I'm not as needed at this time as well, which has been absolutely great. Um, and, yeah, I guess trying to predict and plan for things. But as you know and as every business owner knows, you can't always. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think flexibility was probably my biggest um, my biggest thing and that's continued post-birth of our little guy. So, um, yeah, maybe also being okay with people doing it in a different way to me or 80-20 um, and as a fairly strong type A 
Um, you know that's taken a little bit of practice but um it's a good lesson to learn for myself as well so um and also being able to trust my team so i trust that the processes we put in place are being used um when they're not i trust that the systems we put in place are coming back to me so we know how to adjust it um and that um you know that i trust that everybody is actually just doing their best so um there's no there's no judgment if something's going wrong. We just have to get in and, and work out a plan. So um, having that clear line of communication has also been really helpful so people know how to communicate, um, how to get support, all of that kind of thing while I'm not in the office. So, And how are they going without you? I think they're probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that too loudly, though, because I want to go back. Um, look, I think I will probably start to transition after the 16 weeks government maternity leave that I'm on at the moment. I'll probably start to transition back into the office fairly soon. Um, Arian's now 12 weeks today. So, yeah, I know. It's just fine. I, I know. So I'd say in probably another month or two I'll be um, able to go back into the office a little bit more. We've got an excellent um, family support system around us. So having my mother-in-law living in town um, has also just made it really mm. easy. So um, I think also being quite kind to myself that I don't have to do everything all at once, um, that it's okay if I get to it at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm awake doing a feed. Um, you know, if Arian's asleep, then I can I can actually get a few working emails done at that time um, because I'm often tired uh, at other times and I can't always answer the phone. So um, by looking at things like Skype and Zoom or a phone call instead of a face-to-face meeting um, and just being flexible with the way that, that we work as a team is also helpful. Um, But also having boundaries has been really helpful as well. So making sure that when I'm on mum time, I'm on mum time, and that when I'm on business time, I'm on business time. So that's been helpful to really get my head in the game for the business things instead of feeling guilty that I'm not working and feeling guilty that I'm not mumming, Um, (laughs) trying to really quite clear. Mm. um, And that it's okay that, it looks a little messy at the moment and it's okay that um, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing for either sometimes. So, yep. okay, um, cool. That, that may not change too much, just heads up on that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. Um, and I think, I think as a woman in business, um, it can be helpful to other women in business to know that it is often messy and, you know, while I sometimes look fairly presentable on the surface, my little legs are going a mile a minute. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's okay too. That's okay too. That's okay too. Um, what, um, thank you for that, Cher. That's very, very honest and generous of you. Um, hmm, you're very awesome. What, what's in store? In store, in store. What's in store for the next twelve months? Do you think? It's an excellent question. I keep. I have so many ideas, Kathy. And you do. I, I, I have noticed this, Sally. It's it's alright. I have noticed. <laughs> I just I just have to pick one. So yep. yeah, at the moment, I think we are just going to focus on our current location. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep thinking: Do we expand? Do we grow? Um, do we do we grow where we are currently, or do we take another location? Um, so I think I think for now, given 
given such, like we've had so much happen in our personal and, and professional lives in the last 12 months that I think it's really important that we uh, really focus and build our current site mm-hmm. and then um, we'll, we'll grow that. So we we may well outgrow our current space. Uh, we love, absolutely love where we are. Um, but as the team grow and our, and our services grow, um, we may need uh, a different location we, we need a bigger group room so that might be something that's on the cards um, or we may stay where we are and take on a second location in the same area so we've got got those kinds of things um, I'm not too sure but there's definitely lots of lots and lots and lots of ideas so I think we have such an experienced team I'd love to mm. I'd love to find out from them what their loves are, what their passions are, and really work on putting some of those things into our business as well. So one of our therapists is um, a dance teacher with disabilities. Um, So maybe looking at branching out into some of that, maybe some yoga for kids with disabilities. Um, And I'm also working with the Trope University at the moment on a parent project, and I love for that to kind of be something that we instill a little more regularly, um, supporting parents of children with newly diagnosed um, conditions. So at the moment we're focusing on autism, but um, really helping families of other diagnoses to get through that initial stage, working through um, what happens at that time, how to access services, what the NDIS looks like and means, building a support network for them with other families, um, yeah, I think I think we'd love to really look at those values of family centeredness and see how we can grow and and target those families and and work with them for their needs in their environments for what they want us to do. So maybe even doing some getting some feedback from clients about what they want from their OT. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that sounds good as well. So, uh, fair to say, sounds like a pretty full, um, you know, twelve months ahead. Oh, of course. There's, there's never, never any, um, never any downtime for us, Kathy. You know <laughs> that about me. So. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I wouldn't want it any other way. What, um, what sort of pearls of wisdom do you have for other allied health business owners? I would say boundaries um was something that I had to learn fairly quickly that I that I needed um especially when I'm in the office if I need to get something done that Mm. I need to get that done um otherwise my personality would be just to have a chat and connect and and touch base with everybody and and that kind of thing but that's obviously not very conducive to work um but at the same time making sure that that obviously all of those relationships and that Mm. support is necessary but it can be all consuming as well yeah that's right um so boundaries for me as well and and me setting those and and honoring them and sticking to them myself um but also investing in a little bit of self-care as well so I found even if I needed to be close by the office if I didn't need to be in the office I could work from a cafe and I love great coffee and we've got some excellent cafes near us so um I found by being able to just take myself off for a couple of hours actually get that work done and then when I was in the office I could really be on and focused on the team instead of um you know, trying to think about a million things at once. Mm. Um, I think you were the one who told me about personal Kanban, so <laughs> that I could, um, you know, release the list. So I, I still do have the sneaky list every now and again, though. So, um, but maybe outsourcing things also that are not 
not your skill set or not your favourite things to do. So um, both personally and professionally and that both work and personal life cross over so much when you run your own business. So um, in the business I outsourced our admin, our bookkeeping, our accounting, um, some of our system stuff, that kind of thing, and in my personal life outsourced a cleaner, um, getting a meal delivery service, that kind of thing to help make life a little easier at home as well. So, um, yeah, I think those are probably the things that I've done that have worked. But also when you're taking a break, it's okay to not work 24 hours a day, seven Mm -hmm. days a week in the business because you'll burn out. And I think I got pretty close to that um, a little while ago and, and then needing to have just to make sure that your love stays for the business um, and that your passion stays with with where you're going and what you're working on. So, yeah. Oh, wonderful shares. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sally, for coming in for a chat and sharing your adventure today. There will be more. I'm sure you'll be back guesting this time next year with more stories to tell. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Kathy. It was lovely to be on. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues.